0: What intention are you setting? What culture do you want to have? How do you want your team to feel when they're together? What are you gonna do to help them feel that way? And what are you gonna do when they're not feeling that way? What are the practices that bring people back to the way you want them to feel? Because if you haven't had those conversations, you're just winging it.
1: Mindful Work is the official podcast brought to you by the Mindful Life Mindful Work team. In each episode, we bring you conversations with corporate leaders and mindfulness professionals to help you create a high-performance culture in your organization. Amidst these rapidly changing times, our conversations will explore the intersection of self-awareness and team performance and help you to optimize your efforts through mindful work. So, be sure to subscribe and check back so that you don't miss out on new insights from our regular episodes. On this episode of the Mindful Work podcast, Calvin Niles explores how mindful work connects to leadership, followed by insights from the Mindful Life Mindful Work team.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Work podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Niles, one of the team members here at Mindful Life Mindful Work. We hope to support you to develop effective leadership, greater team alignment, real employee commitment, and a company culture In this episode, we are going to hear from a number of experts and leaders in their field, including Sarah Hunt, who has a background in communications and emotional intelligence leadership and scales high-quality learning and development for global businesses. We'll also hear from Sanjay Kapoor, who is an executive and well-being coach and a healthcare leader in the U.S., And you'll also hear from our very own Jonathan Reynolds and Farron Gupta. Jonathan is the CEO here at Mindful Life Mindful Work and has worked extensively with leaders around the world. And Farron Gupta who draws upon his experience as an improv theatre actor and his understanding of human dynamics and complex business processes. This episode is all about leadership and the challenges that arise, and we'll touch on some other subjects as well. But before we even do that, let us take a mindful pause.
3: Pausing is so very important, especially during times of transition. So wherever you find yourself today and in this moment, find a comfortable seat, or if you're standing, just notice yourself standing. If you're walking or laying down, notice yourself doing those things. And just come into a space where you're giving a little bit more attention to what you're doing. And in particular today, let's just bring a little awareness to our body. So again, if we're walking, noticing the soles of the feet hitting the floor. If we're sitting, noticing our posture and where we can rest into, feeling more grounded. Same is true of standing, noticing the soles of the feet. And if we find ourselves reclining or laying down, just noticing that. And just take a moment and really pause. Really direct your attention to your body. Bringing your attention to your body is so essential because it's always in the present moment. So in some practices, in some mindfulness practices, for instance, that's bringing attention and awareness to the breath, because that's always present and dynamic. So just notice yourself here in physical space. In this body, in this moment, noticing the breath as it is, not trying to change it, just noticing it. Noticing the sounds around you if you're in a busy cityscape, noticing those sounds, not pushing them away, not pulling them towards, just noticing them in your experience, in awareness. Regardless of your shape and form, a little bit of a lift in the chest, a sense of inner dignity, sort of meeting the moment. And when it's time to transition, when it's time to go back into whatever you're doing, whatever your day requires of you, Just noticing, this is always available. You can always take a 15-second or 45-second pause to reset and then to re-enter and re-engage with whatever you're doing in a more resourced, embodied, and perhaps even skillful way. Have a
2: wonderful day of practice. (sighs) I feel so refreshed and I needed that moment to stop. What about you? I hope you found that useful. And now we can get stuck in to our theme of this conversation, which is around leadership and all the things, challenges that might arise in our leadership, in our organizations, and and what we can do to imbue our leadership and work more mindfully in our roles. A paper published by the Mindfulness Initiative in the UK uh, called Building the Case for Mindfulness in the Workplace talked about Uh, a number of other studies that indicate that leaders need particular capabilities for working effectively in the 21st century, and that there is broad agreement that resilience, collaboration, and decision-making are vital. And these are all subjects that we're going to get into in this show, but less clear is how leaders might develop these capacities effectively. And I'm citing directly Uh, from the Mindfulness Initiative. So let's explore in this episode a little bit about what challenges we might see around the modern workplace and what that might look like in our work. Let's hear what Sarah Hunt has to share about her experience around this.
4: I think overall, a general increase in the level of complexity that we're dealing with in our lives, in in modern life, right? The, The degree of pace, the expectations that are being placed upon us um, the rate of change that we're facing uh, that is i think a really common and quite universal theme despite where you may live and of course that that shows up individually in different ways and so i think from from my perspective what i've started to see is somewhat of a, a you know a meta trend um is this this realization that as people we now can no longer kind of hold that level of expertise of knowledge that we may have been able to in previous generations right? So in previous times when we were developing ourselves professionally, we could really comfortably say, you know what, I'm an expert and I've, I've really got this covered, right? You know, I really know this, I'm 100% across this topic and we could feel confident in that, right? And, and as time has gone on, the level of complexity with which we are working at now, we need that interdependence. We need to be able to have others work closely with us to hold other pieces, parts of the puzzle.
2: So there's something really clear coming through about this interrelational aspect of the way we approach our work and our leadership, and that gets me thinking about the way we relate to each other, how we engage with each other, and I really wanted to explore this line of thinking uh, with Sanjay Kapoor and to hear what kind of challenges that he might have seen arising in his experience in the workplace as a mindful leader
5: yeah so one of the biggest thing i have observed and in my my experience too it's a communication right uh, communication and uh, in meetings we all arrive you know different different stakeholder different people have different agenda and and we want to educate our point of view right so that's and the listening we are rather pre- preparing our response rather than listening to others, right? So that's an essential part of communication. So creating, you know, as I said, small practice, creating space. Uh, if we start, just imagine, you know, if you start a meeting, those meetings with two minutes of uh, mindfulness activity and see, you know, what's the broader purpose, why we are gathered here. You know, we in healthcare setting, we, we think about our our members, our patients, you know, those are the people we are ultimately here to serve. And what's the best decision we can make? 10 years ago, 15 years ago to today, I'm really encouraged where we are going. So it used to be mindfulness, even though it's uh, the centuries and years old practices in various traditions and and paths. But, but in, in the West, especially, it was seen as a, something new agey, something, you know, uh, touchy feely. Uh, which is changing, you know. A lot of the great leaders are coming out and sharing their stories. How uh, it mindfulness helped them uh, bring the best selves, be present for for their employees. For if they are not by themselves, they uh, best. How can they be best for their employees? You know. So there are a lot of thought leaders. They are sharing it. A Lot of those Fortune five hundred companies also they have been sharing these leadership tips so one of the that's shifting that's encouraging but still there is uh you know this um, i would say loosely stigma around these practices because uh because in the corporate world people want to see the tangible roi you know what is my return on investment if my my employees are practicing mindfulness at work or if we are having employing mindfulness they see is a uh there's no tangible benefit you know because they are not uh, good metrics or they are not good system in place to measure this you know it's kind of it's kind of ironic that we want to measure mindfulness but but you know that's what uh, you know makes uh, in a corporate sense right so we have to figure out ways to to find uh, correlation like today burnout you know how mindfulness can help with the burnout right how mindfulness can help with attrition, how mindfulness can help with equity, inclusion, and diversity. These are are because if you look at it, you know, going back to, again, the child, all these things come from inside, you know, it's with the self.
2: Communication, communication, communication. We are hearing this so much as an integral part of leadership. We've heard it, come up already in the mindfulness initiative piece as a key uh, capability that leaders need. Uh, we're also hearing this in, uh, from reflected in some of the comments that our guests have to share. So let's bring in our CEO at Mindful Life, Mindful Work, Jonathan Reynolds, and let's hear what he has to say about this subject that is so integral to mindful leadership.
0: Teams that aren't communicating well are often teams that don't know they're not communicating well. No team is out there trying to communicate poorly. Um, they think they're communicating well, and then when they find out that they're not, it's how we respond to that. There's nothing wrong with communicating poorly um, if but if we don't do anything about it, we just keep getting the same and so what we've seen in practice is you know, there's ways to communicate better. One is through a place of self-awareness. One is through a place of team awareness. Another is by instituting basic protocols. Like when you send an email to your team members, do they confirm that they received it? There's just basic stuff like that. Most companies don't have a practice like that. And so every time you send a group email, it's like sending it into the ether and you just hope it landed. Because if nobody says got it, it's just everybody, then that person is just the rest of the day, that person could be cranky because they don't know. And so there's little things like that that, you know, being more mindful, pausing before we send a challenging email. You know, I'm using email as an example, but pausing before we communicate something if we're not clean energetically around sort of what we're trying to convey. Is what we're trying to convey constructive or destructive? Does it bring us together or does it? push us apart. And so all of these things take self-awareness. Um, and a culture, culture is the thing that can't be named, right? There's the exterior to culture. There's things like build, just to use a, a, you know, our culture, our world. There's buildings, there's roads, there's things that you can point to that build the infrastructure of our culture. But then there's all those intangible things. Why does Philadelphia feel different than San Francisco? Got basically the same roads and buildings and stuff. Well, there's a reason why is London different than, you know, Delhi. Um, there's because there's this cultural element that is the people is, that is the intangible things that you can't point to, and you can point to stuff that's, you know, obvious like food and and these sorts of things that are cultural. But then there's something that you can't point to that's unseen. So a lot of our work is coming in and hearing what's not working and then addressing the unseen causes of why it's not working.
2: So Jonathan actually talks here about protocols that are quite helpful to smoothen and enhance our team communication, but he mentioned something that is really powerful, something that really caught my attention and always does in these conversations, and that is self-awareness. And how does the individual awareness that personal change, how does that translate to not just the teams that Jonathan has said, but how does that translate to companies at a systemic level? So let us hear what Varun Gupta has to say, again, one of my colleagues at Mindful Life, Mindful Work, about this very subject.
6: Both lead into one another. Uh, Without systems, I've seen uh, people change is meaningless. And I'm saying this out of almost two decades of working on the people front. uh, And then having the last five years where I was completely disillusioned with this whole space of learning and development and coaching. I said, you can continue working with your people, but as long as it's not backed up by the systems, it will not mean anything. Um, So the KPIs need to respond. KPIs needs to allow that if you want to see leadership, you've got to give positions. uh, And this is not just position like associate vice president, director, yada, yada, but positions is... Lead a project, you know, posi- position, power, place to show your leadership. Otherwise, you know, if you're if you're constantly just listening to orders and getting work done, where will you show leadership? Right. So that has to be backed up. And just a systemic change without working on people will also be uh, meaningless. Because um, I've I've also seen now when I'm working with organizations, we make the policy change not backed up with capacity building. And that takes time. That takes time for people to absorb what is happening. Um, and that's when they'll be able to respond to the change in structure. Um, both hand in hand, both are, both need to, and they, they don't go together. They often, one takes lead, one is behind one, then another takes lead, another is behind, but slowly they, they come together.
2: Okay, well so far we've heard some challenges and quite common challenges that are arising in the workplace and some are old problems and some are newer problems because of the evolution of work. And we're also hearing uh, some of the ways working mindfully can contribute to improving performance in this way. So I guess all that's left for me to consider really is how can we empower our leadership to work more mindfully in a really practical way? Let's hear again from Sanjay Kapoor, somebody who's experienced in building up mindfulness programs in organizations.
5: If you look at from, in our case, you know, case study is, so there you demonstrate something, pilot small things, starting small from bottom up and see how people come. So we started a, you know, wonderful volunteer we have, you know, all supporting each other, pure, pure, like a, just a desire to help each other. You know, that's where the program started. If you wait for uh, a corporate to say, okay, we are going to assign six people, uh, six facilitator to lead the mindfulness program, it's going to take some time. But starting from the bottom, so you start from people who need support, small groups. And then at the same time, what we do is uh, uh, also reach to the leadership Take every single opportunity, whether it's in the meetings they are having, all hands meetings or their leadership meetings. Say, you know, you you want to have a like a little break or thrive activity or something. We can provide a small mindfulness break. Would you be able to open to it? You know, it's just asking questions and be there, offering them. Say, okay, you know, here here I would like to offer a small taste. You know, so have present. The leadership, so so you have to reach out to leadership and find the allies amongst them.
2: Okay, there you have it. So we learned quite a lot in this episode on leadership and some of the skills that we need to build our leadership performance. We've learned some of the challenges that are arising and some of the limitations that might be existing around building this uh, high-performing team or probably just performing the best we can is better language to use. And we've also heard how we can practically think about taking steps to add these ways of working more mindfully to our workplace. So I guess all is left for me to say, coming back to this point of self-awareness and the individual element of being able to work more mindfully as a professional, going back to what Jonathan said about uh, self-awareness, I've asked my guests to share with us one practical tip that you can do right now to work more mindfully in your work?
5: So what I would encourage is uh, start with a small step, very small, you know, just first uh, creating a habit for uh, yourself, starting with one minute, Uh, one minute between the meetings, you know, So, so we have five meetings in the day, so that'll create five minutes, right? Small. So you don't have to commit for five minutes, five, and then maybe increase two minutes. So experience yourself and bring it to your teams. One minute between the meetings or transition from work, work to another. Simple
0: step, it can start uh, building the habit. And so I think I think it's really important to do, and each person's different, but to do whatever we need to do to make sure we don't lose connection with ourselves in that real embodied way um, whether that's taking 10 minutes between calls whether that's uh, walking around the building or the house every couple of hours just to get out of the chair and away from the screen in transitions when you remember notice what you feel like notice your felt sense notice how the body feels oh i feel really constricted or rushed in this transition. But that transition, I felt really spacious and really nice. Knowing how you feel in transitions helps inform how you might want to relate to some transitions differently. Um, And over time, that information that you get, which won't be intellectual information, will be embodied felt sense information, can help inform um, a deeper learning for how you navigate future transitions. I think we're transitioning so often, so rapidly, so much. And this takes almost no effort other than to notice.
2: There you have it, folks. Some really practical tips to work more mindfully that you can do right now. And sadly, that brings us to the end of this episode on the Mindful Work Podcast. I'm so glad to have had you with me on this journey. Please take away whatever works for you. And, you know, if you have any questions around this, email me, calvin.niles at mindfullifemindfulwork.com. I'd be happy to put those questions to my guests, and I'd be happy to come back and answer them and give you a shout-out in a future episode. If you want to subscribe, In fact, please do subscribe because we need you to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. So share any questions, share any feedback, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and share it with anyone who you think would benefit from working more mindfully. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Mindful Work Podcast. Bye for now.
1: Mindful Work is the official podcast brought to you by Mindful Life, Mindful Work Incorporated. To learn more about our work, visit www.MindfulLifeMindfulWork.com.